Jesus' name. Our precious Father and our God, we thank you, Lord, for yet a time like this in your presence. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us together, O Lord, once again, for yet another modern Sunday, to listen, O Lord. We pray, O Lord, that as we listen, O Lord, that our hearts will be blessed. Lord, I hide myself, O Lord, under the cross of Calvary. And I ask that, Father, Lord, that even as I minister this morning, O Lord, Lord, it is not by my own power, it is not by my own might. I ask that, Father, Lord, that you give me grace, O Lord, and grant me utterance, O Lord, to speak to your people. We pray, O Lord, that the entrance of your word this morning will give light, O Lord, and it will give rest unto every soul that is troubled. This is our prayer through the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome each and every one of us to yet another modern Sunday. It is an event that takes place once every year in the Christian calendar. I want to first of all start by thanking the leadership of the church for finding me worthy to stand before you this morning, even to bring the word of God. I do not take that opportunity for granted. I want to also thank our mommy for also allowing me, because even though the leadership wanted me and if she didn't want me, she wouldn't have allowed it. So I want to thank her especially. Mothers, you are all looking very beautiful. You are all looking very radiant. And uh, I want to say happy Mothering Sunday to each and every one of us. Last year, the devil came in. He wanted to take our mommy away, but the Spirit of the Lord raised the standard against him. Because on this occasion last year, she wasn't here, even though she was with us um, virtually. But we thank God that today she's here and she's alive. And as a Christian mother, she's going to live to fulfill divine destiny in Jesus' name. The topic we are dealing with this morning is Christian motherhood. Christian motherhood. And our text taken from Exodus chapter 2, from verses 1 to 10. We are not going to go through it again, but um, because it has been read during the Bible reading, but we are still going to be making reference to that a lot of times. What is motherhood? Motherhood is a state of being a mother. Whereas Christian motherhood simply means motherhood the Christian way. It's not necessarily talking about your biological children. It could be your foster children. It could be um, your spiritual children. That's, I'm not talking about the spirit children, as in, you know. I'm talking about the children that the Lord has given you by virtue of your position as a mother, maybe in the society, in the church. And it could also be a sister. And of course, Christian motherhood is not merely just about children. It's also about our husbands. Because for you to be a Christian mother, you have to first of all be a wife. If you're not a wife, you can't be talking of a Christian motherhood. And um, of course, these husbands are a very, very integral part of uh, raising godly children. The Bible passage that we read this morning is about the birth of Moses and what his mother Jacobed did to see that the life lived to fulfill his destiny. 
this woman that is called Jacobed is from the tribe, um, from the house of Levi. In other words, her father was a priest. And then, of course, the man that married her was from the tribe of Levi. She was a godly woman, whom today we can refer to as a Christian mother. She was a woman that was determined to preserve the life and destiny of her child. She lived up to her responsibility. She knew God's agenda for her, uh, for her child, which she identified early enough. And so she did have to do everything that she did. There is a clarion uh, call for mothers to live up to discharge this office of uh, motherhood. So she recognized her role in the plan of God in nurturing a child. Of course, saving the child. When she saved the child, she not only saved, got her son back, but inadvertently, what she did sought the way to the exodus of God's people from the land of Egypt. And forever, history will remember that. What was this woman? What do we have to learn from the life of this woman? She was an intentional mother. She was defiant and not willing to give up the destiny of her child. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 2 verse 2 that the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. Of course, this woman was very, very alert in the spirit. When the Bible said that the child was beautiful, some other translation says that the child, I think the person who read the Bible passage, I won't say, I think it's NIV, said that the child was fine. She saw that the child was fine. But I like the way that the Message Bible puts it. The Message Bible has it that she saw that there was something special about this child. So, she saw that this child has great potentials loaded in him, saw that this child is a God's general in the making, and so she was determined that she's going to save the life of her child. And of course, she wasn't just, when, you know, these days when we have our children, our babies, we just say she has a bouncing baby ball or boy or bouncing baby girl. But this woman was looking beyond the physical attributes of this child as a baby. You could refer to her as a woman that saw tomorrow because she looked in and saw the tomorrow of this child. And so she did everything that she could as a mother to see that the child's destiny was not truncated. Moses, of course, was born at a time like this when there was so much hostility towards children so much hostility towards male children that were born of the Hebrew women. At a time that Pharaoh gave an order that any male child that is born should be dumped into the Nile River. Only the female ones should be allowed to live. He was afraid that these people might grow and outnumber them. So that was why he gave that decree. But we thank God for the Hebrew midwives who did not, they were not afraid of this king and his commands, and they preserved the life of this child. And so when this child was born, they hid him and tried to protect him. As a mother, what do we see in the life of our children when we give back to them? Are you just seeing a bouncing baby boy or a bouncing baby girl? 
I don't know what you're seeing. But this woman saw beyond the things that was just surrounding the baby at that time. But she did everything to protect this child. At the time the Moses was born, there was so much misuse of power. There were children were dying physically and spiritually. These days it is happening. On our women's platform, I think two days ago, somebody posted something, a child that was in a sack. This child was already dead. These days, so many people are wielding guns and ammunition here and there. Children, our youths, they are all dying, physically and spiritually. At a time Moses was born, was a time when there was misuse of power and bloodletting. Of course, the same thing that happened at the time Moses was born is still happening this day, and is living with us. But this woman had to rise up to the challenge and protect her the life of her son. So what are some of the points that we need to note about Jacobed? Of course, I've already mentioned earlier was that she was from the... Her father, her father was a Levite, which means that he was a priest. She did all she could with what she had. That's the first point to note about her life. You know, when you read Exodus chapter 2 verse 3, it says that when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dubbed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. If you had actually read about um, it in Acts chapter 7 verse 20, it says that the child, at this time, Moses was born and was pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. If you read it in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse uh, 23, it says that by faith that Moses, when he was born, he was hidden by his parents for three months until they, until they could no longer hide him. That means that the husband, too, was very much involved in saving, in an attempt to save that child's life. So she hid him. Of course, the first three months of a child's life, as we mothers, we've noticed that if you give birth to a child, the child most times for the few weeks and months of life will be sleeping and all that. So the baby cries, you take care of the baby, and then change the diaper or the napkin at that time, and then the baby is okay. The baby, even when the baby's, baby cries, the voice is not that loud. So for that three months, they were able to hide this child until it was no longer possible. Don't forget that these Israelites, they lived, they were surrounded by Egyptians who were actually spies. They were looking out, you know, if they, of course, see you that you're hiding a baby, they will tell on you. And you not only risk losing that child, but you also run the risk of losing your own life. So the husband was very much involved, you know, in saving this child's life up to the age of three months. Then what did she do? She now went out and made a basket. She didn't, you know, ordinarily, if you get a basket like this and, you know, water will infiltrate it. If you put it in the water or in the river, it will infiltrate it. What did she do? She had to get some items. Some uh, Bible translations will call it tar and pitch. But whatever it is called, she used it to line the basket to make sure that this basket was watertight. And then she placed her child in it and then 
put the child by the river, the river Nile. I want to say at this point that we need not forget that Jacob was a slave woman because the uh, Israelites at that time, they were slaves in the land of Egypt. So she was a slave. But one, when God wants to do something, he uses ordinary people like Jacob She was just an ordinary slave woman. And then he uses ordinary things like tar and pitch. Tar and pitch was super abundant at that time. And the children of Israel used it to build the houses where they lived in. So God used ordinary materials like tar and pitch and common basket probably that was made from straw. And then to do extraordinary things such as raising a God's general that saw to it that the children of Israel were released from Egypt. What else did she do? Number two, she trusted in God with all her heart. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. When Jacobed was making this basket and placing it by the river, she was probably acting under the direction of the Holy Spirit. The river is a place of uncertainty. One would ordinarily think that, having put this child into a basket, that this woman is going to take it very far from the river. But then she trusted God. She was willing to let go. She had already done what she could, she could do from the human point of view, and then placed this child by the river bank. She actually trusted God to do for her son what she could not do for her own child. And that was why she placed that child in the river bank. So, as mothers, I don't know what we are struggling with. Are we struggling with how to raise godly children in this crooked and perverse generation? There might be some questions that you are asking yourself this morning. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, that God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. So if you are struggling with the question of how to raise godly children, just know that God has made all these things available for us. And so she trusted God. Are we as Christian mothers relying on God for grace? To take care of our children. If you are relying on, on God, just like Jacob did, be rest assured as a Christian mother that the grace is already made sufficient unto you. So let us learn to trust God. What else did she do? She trained and disciplined her children. She taught her children a lot of things. You know she's the mother to Aaron, Miriam, and Moses. Because in this passage that we read this morning, Aaron was not mentioned, but we know that Aaron is one of her kids. She taught Miriam, and she had a sense of responsibility to care for her younger ones. But most importantly, let us examine some of the things she taught Moses. She taught Moses about his identity. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, that Moses, even though he grew up, in the palace, he refused to be identified as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That means 
when this woman was probably beating the child, she kept on telling him, Nah, remember that you're a child of God. Don't forget that you're a Hebrew child. When you get to the palace, don't disappoint God. Don't be ashamed of whom you are. You are a Hebrew child. She kept on drumming it into his head. And this child never forgot his identity, even when he entered the palace of the king. Of course, she must have taught him to be a peacemaker because when she saw somebody that was fighting with a Hebrew, he actually went to make peace uh, with them. Another thing that uh, Jacobed must have taught um, Moses at that time was to know his status per time. Of course, his status as a Hebrew child and most importantly as a child of God never brought him shame because... You know, if you ask him, he will tell you that he's a Hebrew or maybe that he's an, Israel, an, Israel, an Israelite. Are our children ashamed of the roots? Are they, are they ashamed of the kind of home? Could they actually stand for Christ anywhere they are and say, I am a child of God? What kind of training are we giving to our children as Christian mothers? She taught him meekness. And then she taught him how to become a, an intercessor. Of course, when Moses was in the house of the hidden king, it couldn't have been his most foster mother, uh, Pharaoh's daughter, that taught him to become an intercessor. No, those were probably the things that he learned from his mother. She was a praying woman, and she prayed and prayed and interceded. You can imagine what would have happened to the children of Israel if Moses didn't intercede for them while they were in the wilderness. God probably would have finished them up. But because Moses was a great intercessor, at any point in time, he interceded for them. And God will always show up and save these people of Israel. Another thing that we have to note about her is that she didn't return the child until the child had grown with a sense of responsibility. That means during the formative years of this child, Moses, he was in the custody of his biological mother, Jacobed, this Christian mother, and she continued to teach him godly principles. As mothers, what are we doing about our formative year, the formative years of our children? Are you just saying, oh, they are so small, then the house help or the nanny is made to do all the chores in the house? You know, the first six years of a child... Is very, very important, or maybe the first 10 years of a child is very, very important because those are the formative years that you can actually catch these children. Because if you read verse 10, it now said Moses now grew and then went back to the palace. I, we were not exactly told at what stage this child went back to the palace. But of course, she couldn't have taken just a toddler back to the, to the princess, otherwise, she wouldn't even know what to do with him. That means that throughout his formative years, he was with his biological mother and she kept on teaching him and teaching him godly principles. So these formative years, for us that are eglet mothers, this is the time to train our children. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6 says, We should train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will never depart from it. So don't actually neglect these things. Don't neglect training our children, even when they are so small. Don't just leave your nanny or your house help to do everything. Some of the things that those children can do, allow them to do it. 
Teach them godly principles. It is not, it's not too early for you to start. You can even teach them right from the time they are in the womb. You speak to the child. Speak to the destiny of the child. Just like um, Jacobet did. And then, the fourth thing is that God rewarded her for her diligence. Diligence. She lost her own baby. And it is interesting to note that she was paid from the royal treasury. The princess paid her from the royal treasury for nothing her own child. And that is why the Bible says that in Proverbs chapter 16 verse 7 that when a man's way pleases the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So this woman was paid even though she took care of her own child. So, at this time, we are going to look at the life of Jacobed through the lens of a virtuous woman. In Proverbs 31 woman. Proverbs 31, 10 to the end. Of course, the children had already given us some recitations from that Bible passage, and for want of time, we are not going to really run through them, but we'll be mentioning them as we progress. A virtuous woman is a woman who has positive influence. She's a hard worker, a good planner, and a beautiful person. She leads her home with integrity and discipline. All the virtues she practices are aimed at making her husband's life better, teaching her children and serving the Lord. What are some of the qualities you find in a virtuous woman or a Christian mother? She's a woman that fears the Lord. You find that in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 30. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Jacobed, of course, they gave us her background history, that she's the daughter of a priest. And then, of course, her husband is from the house of Levi. Of course, it means that this woman came from a Christian home, she has a Christian home. What else do you expect from people who come from Christian home? The home is a place, Christian home, such Christian homes is a place where you fear the Lord. You read the word of God. The word of God is not lacking. And then you pray. So she was a woman who feared the Lord. She is priceless. Verse 10 says, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her worth is far above rubies. That means this woman's life is priceless. She's not moved by the things that she sees around. She's not moved. You know, some of us, our prizes could be fashion items, like jewelry. It could be like uh, making clothes from that tailor in natural layout so that you come out like a slave queen. Or our prize could be human hair. The money you would have ordinarily used to buy a plot of land, you would invest it on buying human hair. But this woman's price is priceless. You can't buy her. She's a woman that just knows what is right and she goes for it. She is trustworthy. Verse 11 says, The heart of her husband safely trusts in her, so we, he will have no lack of gain. And she has a lot of respect for her husband. This woman has lots of respect for her husband and she's a submissive wife. Somebody posted something on a women's platform last week. Of course, you go to the office and it's easy for you to submit to somebody who is there in the office. And when the Bible has commanded you in Ephesians that you should submit 
your husband. The fact that you are a submissive wife is not a call for slavery. It is also not a call to, for a woman to lose her voice. It's a call to service and accountability. She has a lot of respect for her husband. You know, and when the husband is walking in, in the gates, he's walking head high. He's a man that has a wife that he's proud of because he's sure of what the wife can do when she's in and when she's out. As Christian mothers, we are not supposed to give our husbands any reason to doubt our credibility. I know a couple of women in this church that will tell you that the husband doesn't even handle the ATM because... The husband trusts her judgment. Anytime she wants to spend, she's going to spend wisely. So even if she knows, even when that woman knows figure, the figure that is in the bank account, she knows how to use it and utilize it properly. So this man trusts in the wife and trusts her judgment at any point in time. Are we the kind of women that Nadiai in fact, before he even keeps his money, he will count it. Then when he now wakes up in the morning or counts, or maybe the kind of woman that your husband will not even give you his ATM or for the pin number. For a woman whose husband trusts, the husband should actually be able to entrust you with things like this. Even his bank accounts with all his properties, with his life. Because he knows that you can never do anything that will bring shame or loss to him. The fourth thing about, to note about a virtuous woman is that she's a woman of wisdom. Verse 26 says, She opens her mouth in wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Her words are not in vain. She doesn't just throw her words anyhow. When she talks, but that is not the life of a Christian mother. It is not the life of a virtuous woman. Because in her mouth is a law of kindness. Of course, she's not flippant. She's not a gossip. They just talk and talk and talk and talk. In fact, that is not the life of a Christian mother, but she's actually a woman of wisdom. One is one. A mother that no, this is a seasoned child of God talking. She's a woman of faith, just like Jacob. She was a woman of faith, and everything she did, all the things she did, you know, hiding the child, making the basket, taking care to lie in the basket and all that, and then placing the child in the river. When she was placing the child in the river, she wasn't saying the current should just sweep the child away. But she was trusting and believing God that something positive would happen. And so it happened for her. As we look at her life, we also look at the life of some women that exhibited some acts of faith in the Bible. Somebody like Ruth in the book of Ruth, she didn't let go her mother-in-law, even though her mother-in-law discouraged her several times that she should go back to her people. Her sons, of course, were dead. Her husband was dead. Even if she's going to have another child, there is no way she's going to wait for them to grow and then she will not marry the person. But Opa left. This other woman, Ruth, she stayed back. Because she stayed back, 
Eventually, she became one of the great grandmothers of Christ. If you read about the genealogy of Christ. Another one is the widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings chapter 17. She had faith in God and made food for Elijah with her very last supply. In fact, she told Elijah that if she makes, as she just has the last one, the last morsel of bread, cake, and oil, that once she makes it, but at the word of the prophet, she didn't doubt the prophet. She made the food for Elijah, had enough to make for herself, and eventually she became an oil well because it never dried up. How about Rahab in Joshua chapter 2? The woman who hid the spies that were sent by Joshua. She hid them in her roof at the expense or at the risk of her own life. They came and now Adria said that nah, you pursue them if you that you will get them. Of course, this act of faith that she did, she not only saved her own life, but she saved her household when that city was destroyed. So one thing that is common with all these women that I have mentioned is that they did something. They exercised acts of faith in the Bible. So, if you want to learn more about the life of these women, the women of the Bible, you will have to join the Women's Guild class that will start next month in April so that you will learn more. You will learn about these women and you will learn about many other women. So these women, they did their own bit and they trusted God to complete the rest. The sixth point about a virtuous woman is that she's a homemaker. ICT, please, I want you to project the stanza three of our hymn for Salmon. Proverbs chapter 31, 15, and then 22 to 23. There are actually two points to this homemaker. She also rises while it is yet night and gives food for her household and a portion to her maidservants. Food are set as and when due. She wakes up early every day. Some of our women, a larugide, larugide, larugide. You forget that the children are going to eat. Then when you now wake up and prepare these children for school, in go, when you get to school, buy your bar. Do you think that with Jacobed, do you think that that was what she did? This woman was a Christian mother and she meant business. She prepared her children physically and spiritually. She woke them up in the morning and prepared them for the mission ahead by praying with these children, committing them into the hands of God. And then she made food and gave to Miriam. Gave uh, Moses breast milk perhaps and probably made provision for extra. Some of our women, I know a flask, AJJ, go and of course, Nia Hego Lego can never last because I am not titrate. Whether no market you laugh for or not, it's immaterial. What of the place of our husbands? Some of our husbands, they will stay back in their place of work because they are already used to not having food when they come back from home. Some of them will even go as far as taking their care of their themselves before they get home. Because they are not sure if this woman. Women are actually associated with food. And that is why on occasions like this, you cannot come and go home 
without eating something. So after the service, please oh, don't, don't go. We want to fulfill that ministry of Christian mother in your life. We are going to take care of your gastric infrastructure at the end of this service. And then, the second part from 21 to 22 says, She's not afraid of snow for her, for her household. For all her household is coated with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Dressing. Dressing. When we finish, in fact, what do we even have in mind when we go to tailor and we tell them to make the dress, dressed in a buttoxin? You want them, you know, they want to see your cleavage. What are you actually implying? Who are you, I mean, who do you actually want to impress with those things that you are exposing? As women, that is not the attributes of a Christian mother or a virtuous woman. A virtuous woman dresses decently at any point in time. Whether it's in church or is at home or in her place of work, everywhere you see her, you see that she's modestly dressed. So please, let us take the take care of the gastric infrastructure of our husbands. It's very, very important. The seventh point to note about the virtuous woman is, is that she's an in, she's industrious and not lazy. See that in verse 13, 14, 24, and 27. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She's like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. 24 to 27, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She watches over the, the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. This woman is, is a woman that is full of energy. She doesn't know what idleness is. She works even with the fabric. You know, our mothers these days, many of us have actually forgotten how to mend clothes. The Oyibo man has even made it easy for us these days that you even have handheld sewing machines. But even when, we, when it is not even available. Those days, I'm sure in the days of Jacobed, she didn't have that. She was able to use her hands. And women, some of us, have forgotten about it. You would rather prefer, Well, that is not the life of a virtuous woman or a Christian mother. Another thing to note about this Jacobed is that of course, because she wasn't lazy, she's, not an, she's an industrious woman. She was able to make this basket, which is being copied around the world today. Moses' basket. If that woman were to be alive today, she would make so much money because she was the person that designed Moses' basket. And people are now copying it all over the world and they are replicating it. A lazy person could not have done that. It's only an industrious person that could have done that. The eighth point about this virtuous woman is that she's a good manager. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She guards herself with strength and strengthens her arms. 
and the rest of them. And then her lamp does not go out by night, by the foolish bird, like the foolish virgins. They had lamp, they had oil in their lamps, but at the time that the bridegroom arrived, their oil had already drained up, and they didn't have an extra supply. Being a good home manager as Christian mothers, we actually should know what is happening in our house. You know when to restock. Some of our women, before you teach one pot of soup, I have to go to matches. Along the line, no, I will go. Along the line. Anyway, you can be faced with one pot of food. three times in the street. one thing or the other. But a good home manager knows if it's somebody who restocks once a month or once in two months, you already know the things you have restocked this month. Next month, as salary is coming, you already know the things that you're going to buy next. A check, a while you stock check. That is how to be a good home manager. You don't allow things to take you by chance. The ninth point to note about a virtuous woman is that she's alert, both physically and spiritually. Verse 27 says she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Let me ask us one question. You know that Jacobed, she was a woman that was very alert in the spirit. She's a woman that saw tomorrow. She didn't just see a bouncing baby boy. She saw a child with great potential. She saw a God's general. Just to safeguard that child so that he could live to fulfill his destiny. What do we see? Are we just seeing bouncing baby boy or bouncing baby girl? Are you seeing into the future of these children to preserve it? If she wasn't alert in the spirit, she wouldn't have seen what was in store for her child. Then another question, a question I wanted to ask earlier was, why do you think Jacob allowed Miriam to be the one taking care of the child in the river bank? Some of the questions, the answers that came up in my mind is that it is, possibly she, she, it is possible that she went back home to pray, still committing the mission into the hands of God. It is also possible that she went back to prepare food so that by the time Moses and Miriam gets back, they will not be hungry. Another point that also struck me most is that it is possible that she was in the Ozar's room knowing that she left Amram, the husband at home. So she had responsibility towards her husband and she didn't allow the responsibility of taking, her, taking care of her child to suffer. So she was probably in the Ozar's room with Amra. Don't ask me what Ozar's room is. So, some of our women are very guilty of that. Mommy will always tell us that the children that the Lord Almighty has given us are not supposed to be excuses. They are blessings. She didn't allow the fact that Moses' life was in danger to deter her from her matrimonial duties. She had, she was attentive she was alert to the needs of her husband, who was probably at home. And at the same time, she was alert to the, need, uh, to the need of her child, whose life was at risk. And he was at the riverbank. So that when they called her, she quickly made haste. So even though she was there taking care of her husband, she still didn't abandon her child. Or in the course of taking care of her, 
uh, child, she didn't also, she was careful not to also ab- abandon the husband. These husbands are our first love. Without them, there couldn't have been children. So one thing never, one thing never cause. Don't just give your husband excuses that because the children are here, you cannot do, you fulfill your role towards them as a Christian mother or a Christian wife. She's a woman of strength, verse 17. And Jacob had the strength and willpower to preserve, to persevere, even in hard times. In hard times. You know, what was happening at that time could have made her to become a weakling. But she summoned strength. She didn't just say, anyhow, anything, any, you know. She didn't lose faith. But she strengthened herself. That was why she was able to go and make that basket. Did everything that she did so that that basket could even be warm, provide enough warmth for the child. Because, of course, if you place somebody in the river, you expect that the person may get cold. But all those things that she used actually made sure that she took care to really design that basket and designed it well so that she should, it could uh, protect the child. As Christian mothers, do we still find time to do things that are very sensitive at home? Or everything is now left in the house, in the hands of the caregivers, in the hands of the nanny. Even when it calls for duty in your bedroom, everything now left in their hands. May God help us as Christian mothers in Jesus' name. The eleventh point to note about this Christian mother, or a virtuous woman, is that she has unconditional love for her children. Jacob, at the time uh, she had Moses, Miriam and Aaron were actually not affected by the king's decrees because they were older children. Sometimes in the face of adversity, you could say, okay, well... The boy is safe. I have a son. I have a daughter. Maybe I should just be okay with that. But she did everything because she's a woman that saw tomorrow to safeguard the life of that child to preserve destiny. So she didn't let that boy go. She nurtured and disciplined her children, even to the extent of telling Miriam, Mimi, oh yeah. Go and stay by the river. If this child needs anything, come and call me or, and things like that. I want to use this time to say thank you to my mother-in-law who persevered at the time that my husband had a need for open heart surgery. They got counsels that you people had, you have four boys. So why bother with this one, even if this one doesn't make it? But they were not deterred by such an ungodly counsel. They did everything they could. Herself and my father-in-law, blessed memory. They did everything they could to save the life of that little young man. And today, he is here, he is fulfilling destiny. Now, your destiny is not just to save the souls of men. Part of your destiny is that nigga anoka monka. We are already 14 and counting. And it is forever to go. It is still part of your destiny. So you are not only saving the souls of men, whether in the church or out there or in the hospital or in the lecture theater. You are also here to stay with me to raise our children and they can give them where no come Jesus. 
The twelfth point to note about this woman is that she's a generous woman. Verse 20. She extends her hands to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. Some of us. Me, myself, I, my family. But this virtuous woman, she's a woman that gives and gives. Some of us, we actually have things that we don't even need. And when they call for items that you don't even need, bring them for outreach. I'm not talking about the things that are not, that you shouldn't even bring out for somebody to see. But there are those things. Yes, they are still good. But you're not using them. Year to year, they are still there. Even forming clutter in your house. There are people who are, you, the money, you just feel that the money you make is just for you and your family. A virtuous woman is a woman who is generous. She gives and gives, and is never tired of giving. There are still so many other qualities of the virtuous woman, but I want to now move over to the qualities of Miriam, who was a potential mother. Miriam was obedient. One of the things to note about Miriam is that she was a child who was obedient to her mother. Two, she cared for her younger one. She cared for Moses. She learned how to trust in God from her mother. Four, she was not timid to suggest to Pharaoh's daughter. Five. When other children her age would have been playing around, she was found at her duty post. Because this child, because she's by the river, we can have and all that. But she was found at her duty, at her duty post. And at the time that Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, came to bed. She was there, and she did what she had to do. She was a wise and selfless child. Are we raising wise and selfless children? How about Pharaoh's daughter? This is the daughter of a hidden king, a king that knew not God. They didn't tell us really about her life. But ordinarily, one would think that she would align herself with the agenda of her father, whose mission was to destroy all Hebrew boys. By the time she came out, I don't know in this palace, how they built the palace those times. Is it that there was no bathroom? Or for all days, this lady decided not to bathe in the bathroom. She now came to the river to bathe and now spotted that basket. It is nothing but divine providence. And the songwriter says that God moves in our mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. And this child that has been in the basket all morning, not crying, even at the time she spotted the basket and told the maidens to go and bring the basket, the child was still quiet. But by the time she looked into the basket, this baby wept and evoked something that was extraordinary. And this compassionate mother had mother. And even though she identified this child as a Hebrew child positively, when she identified this child as a Hebrew child, she could have flipped over the basket so that the child would drown. But because the God in her made the child to cry, probably tapped the child. The child cried. And then this woman connected this child in an extraordinary way. She became compassionate at that point in time. And then 
Miriam, one Josie, or what? Can I go and call one of the Hebrew nurses to take care of? And I was there, yes, JJJ, go and call. Allah also. Jepal, the mother of the child, to come and take care of the baby. She stood up for what was right. And then she told the woman, take care of this child for me. I am going to pay you. Some of us, we have a love, so we have a like cable. I be a lot of FOC. I'll challenge you FOC. When you have you will either not pay or look for reasons not to pay. Or you will not pay what is commensurate with all our love. But Pharaoh's daughter paid this woman from the, uh, from the royal treasury for the services that she rendered. Paid this woman from the royal treasury for teaching this child godly principles and teaching this child the way of the Hebrews, the way of the Israelites, the way of the children of God, and she was paying for it. When God is with you, he makes your enemies to be at peace with you. Let us consider the rewards of Christian motherhood. Motherhood is important and valuable. It can be difficult and discouraging at times. But it is important for us to know that. Even though, you know, sometimes when you read Proverbs 31, and I say, I'm my Inca or engine. But there are actually rewards of Christian motherhood. How about the heavenly reward where the souls of men are saved? This woman, Jacobed, sought to it that the soul of her, she saved her own child first. She saved Moses first. And inadvertently, she saved a whole generation of God's people through that child. So, part of the rewards of motherhood is that lost souls are found. Two, she raised the harvest of praise from her children. Proverbs chapter 31 verse 28a where it says that the children rise up and call her blessed. One of the kids said that this morning. In fact, sometime last week or two weeks ago, I was just sitting down in the sitting room and my four-year-old just came out from the room. My husband was also seated. He just said, I love you, mom. You're the best in the whole world. Did you hear what the boy said? Or say my head it. I drew him close and I showered him with all the kisses I could muster that morning. You know, when your child praises you, the boy just came out and just said it. How much more? So, the children praises her. And then, blessings also come from her husband. Verse 28b. Men, read that Proverbs again. It is important that you praise your wives. It is biblical. Praise them for the work they are doing in the life of your children. Praise them for the work they are doing in your own life. It is not easy. My husband has said, you are doing so much. You are working so hard. In fact, at the time that he even said it, I might obviously not even do anything. But he's not just saying it, but just because of what I did at that particular point in time. But maybe because of what I have al- always done. So praise your wife. If your husband appreciates you, please praise us. It is biblical to praise us. Praise your wives. The fourth one, reward of Christian motherhood is that 
God gives you a, a household just like he did with the Hebrew midwives in Exodus chapter 1. These women feared the Lord and they were not afraid. They spared the life of these children. So, part of the rewards of Christian motherhood is that God gives us a household. Finally, Christian motherhood is made easier when the husbands help their wives. And so it was in the life of Jacobed, whom we extract her life this morning. I'm sure Jacobed was not the one that went to fetch the straw to make that basket. The husband must have assisted her. Perhaps if she wants to go and spread the clothes outside, he will be indoors taking care of this baby. Please help us. We need help. Don't think it is a woman's responsibility to wake up her children and tell them that it is time to pray or to get them ready for church or to get them ready for school. If you see, there are some times uh, that my husband, he, wake, he, he, he will be ironing after ironing when my kids were much smaller. I will continue. Don't think that these are your children that you are baiting. It's your own children that you are taking care of. Don't just leave the responsibility to your wife. Help us in this place of Christian motherhood because it is only when you help us that the job will be easier for us. Let us pray. Our precious Father, we thank you, O Lord, for the word that we have heard this morning. We pray, O Lord, that Father, you will help us. Grant us the grace, O Lord, to be Christian mothers, to shine our lights wherever we are. Help us, O Lord, not to forget our roles towards our husbands. Help us, O Lord, even to nurture these children that you have given unto us. Help us, O Lord, not to forget God, even when the going is good or when the going is bad in our homes. Help us, O Lord, that in every area of our lives, we will radiate the life of Christian motherhood day by day. In Jesus' mighty name we are prayed. Amen.